Thank you. You can be seated. Well, God bless you and good morning. It's great to be with you in, in Kabucha. And uh, gosh, I don't know how many years we've been coming. I think it's about 2010 we started coming and visiting the church. And uh, so it's just been a joy to, uh, you know, walk in relationship with you guys. And I must say, this is, hello, Gwen, how you doing? Uh, it, it's a... Uh, I think we met you in Kuching, didn't we? Yeah, even before we ever came here. Um, but it's just a great joy to see so many of you coming to a prayer seminar. You know, um, it's it's amazing. And we were saying to Ben, uh, you know, in the UK, we've done this seminar a few times, and you get maybe 50 to 70 people around this number in New Zealand. We get about 20 to 30, a little bit more sleepy over there, I'm afraid. Uh, in Singapore, there'd be about 500 come out to a prayer seminar. They're just crazy, zealous for the Lord. But I just think it's so fantastic to see so many of you are gathering. And our prayer has been, as we've just been asking God, that he would really impart something to you personally, but also corporately, um, that prayer levels will rise because everything, as you'll discover this morning, God uh, does amazing things through prayer. And that's what the enemy wants to keep us from. Well, we, we are just absolutely delighted to be with you again. This church has a very special place in our hearts. And um, I first of all just feel to really honor those of you that are seasoned prayer warriors in this church. I really do. Um, we hold you in high esteem. And, you know, I'm very aware that the DNA of this church is prayer. And the foundation it was built on is prayer. And, and David and I, we are trusting the Lord that he's going to add to that today. And I really felt that today these two things, new levels of prayer and new realms of revelation, that Ben mentioned that shift. And I just really feel that um, in the spirit there's going to be a, a shift you know, like Israel is at war physically right now. We are all at war spiritually. And as you, many of you would know, we are first of all worshippers of Jesus, but we are also called to be warriors in prayer because we are at war. We must fight for Israel to, um, in prayer and to bless her, as, as God's word says. We must also fight for our families, fight for our nations, and fight for the next generation because the devil is intensely targeting children and young people, but God is passionately pursuing this next generation generation. And both David and I feel that today, one of the things God wants to do is impart to all of us a fresh fire for prayer, that we will love to pray, we will want to pray. It'll be our delight and joy, and because it will be an almost, if I can use the word, an exciting co-partnership and participation with God in seeing his purposes miraculously released on the earth as it is in heaven. So I trust you're excited. And uh, has everyone got one of these? If you haven't, can you put your hand up? And hopefully someone will get one to you. Um, but I think you're all good. Okay. Well, we're going to get into our first session. And uh, we're going to have a break um, at about 11 o'clock for... Um, I think there's going to be some great food out there and drink and whatever. Um, so our first session is prayer that changes our world. Now, we're doing two sessions in this whole topic, but 
I did write a book called How to Pray and Change Your World. It has 16 chapters, so there's a whole lot more in the book. So how many of you ever been to university? Okay, what did you have to buy? Textbooks, right? So that's our textbook. The unfortunate thing is, once again, the Gold Coast people have been greedy, and I sent extra boxes. There's only about 12 or so copies out there, but the good news, so you can get those, I think, right at the end of the seminar, that uh, you can purchase those. Um, but look, if you want to, um, if, you, if you miss out, just uh, Kurong Books and also Amazon. Uh, if you go online, there are online stores, and just do, put the title search in, you can... Um, you can buy one from them. Uh, or you can go to our, our website, spiritlife.org.nz. You might want to write that down, uh, www.spiritlife.org.nz. And if you just go onto the homepage, scroll down, you'll see a photo of the book and underneath, uh, buy now, and it'll take you to different nations. And the, the links are there to Kurong and Amazon. And if you want um, an electronic copy, you can just go to the store on our website on the homepage, just look up the top, and you can get an electronic copy if you prefer that. So just to let you know, we don't want you to miss out if you want the textbook. So, um, But anyway, we're going to get into the first session prayer that changes our world. And right now, there is definitely a global call of the Holy Spirit to the church to pray. Uh, the world is in a great need. Um, multitudes are living in darkness. It seems like wickedness has the upper hand. And I know coming into the 2020s, the Lord said to me, look, these 2020s is going to be a turbulent decade. It will seem that wickedness has the upper hand, but that will be turned by the prayers of my people. And so that's why I believe the Lord is calling the church to pray as never before. And God wants to usher in the greatest harvest in history before Jesus comes back, not willing that any should perish. The great keys to a harvest are always in history being prayer and mission. Those two things go hand in glove. And uh, there's not much effective mission without prayer. And, uh, you know, so those two things are needed. Prayer is one of the most powerful activities uh, God has given to his sons and daughters, yet it's probably the hardest aspect of the Christian life to be consistent in, and it's the area the devil will fight you in the most. I can discover, I can watch TV for an hour real easily. I mean, I just love, I feel powerful when the remote's in my hand. The couch is under me. I'm lying on the couch. The remote, Greta graciously releases the, the remote to me uh, eternally. And that's really cool. And so I got, and, you know, I can just, I can, got my peanuts. I'm watching a movie. It's easy. I mean, an hour or two hours just goes by like that. But to pray for an hour, that's a different story. That requires discipline. It requires focus. Um, it requires a whole lot more. But course, praying for an hour is far more effective than watching a movie for an hour, as enjoyable as that is. Uh, Leonard Ravenhall, he was uh, quite a in-your-face revivalist. I think he passed away in the 70s or 80s. He said this, we have many organizers in the church, but few agonizers, many players, few prayers, many singers, few clingers, lots of pastors, few wrestlers, many fears, few tears, much fashion, little passion, many interferers, few intercessors, many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. Or I'd like to put that in the positive, succeeding here, we succeed everywhere. 
So God wants us to be great and strong in prayer, um, but great prayers are made, not born. We have to start somewhere, and our praying doesn't have to be perfect. Um, And I love these prayers of children that I came across some time ago. These are true prayers. Uh, This is David, age seven. He prayed, dear God, I need a raise in my allowance. Could you have one of your angels tell my father? Thank you. And this is Angela, age eight. Dear God, this is my prayer. Could you please give my brother some brains so far he doesn't have any? And this is Debbie, age seven. Dear God, please send a new baby for mummy. The one you sent last week cries too much. (laughs) She wanted an exchange. Uh, So all that to say, the greatest prayer warriors were once babies in the things of the spirit. And God is not looking for eloquence. He's looking for heart. And I love the, I mean, that's, those kids' prayers are straight from the heart, right? They just, and you know, we, we don't want to filter our praying through religious jargon. We're just straight from the heart in faith. And uh, so we've got to start somewhere um, on this journey in prayer. And a lot of people don't know where to start. But look, actually, Jesus taught us exactly where to start, how to start. He uh, was praying one day, and then when he'd finished, the disciples were so impacted, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus told them, and it's found in Luke 11, verses 2, 2 to 5, he says, well, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We call that the Lord's Prayer, is that right? And millions of Christians through history and alive today have memorized that and recited, and I think it's meaningful to recite, but I don't think Jesus was really teaching us a prayer to recite. I actually think he was teaching us a pattern to follow. And if you look at the Lord's Prayer, it's actually broken into two halves. We're going to look at the second half first. The second half is all about us. And you'll see there that um, the give us this day our daily bread, that's daily bread of praying for the necessities of life. You know, jobs, finance, housing, transportation, relationships, schooling, wisdom, all of that. That's, That's in the realm of provision. And because God is a loving father and Jesus is a good shepherd, they want to provide for their children. So we are privileged to ask our father in heaven and he will provide. Forgive our sins as we forgive others is praying about purity. You know, God wants purity in our lives. He wants us free of sin. And we do, when we blow up, we need to ask him to forgive us. And then let's not be, don't let us be led into temptation Um, and deliver us from the evil one, that's praying for protection, which is a really good thing to pray, not out of fear of what the enemy will do, but out of wisdom to preempt what he might do and pray protection over us and our children, etc. So the second half of the Lord's Prayer is all about us having our needs for purity, provision, protection met. Okay, when we go to the first half of the Lord's Prayer, it's all about him. So it opens, our Father, hallowed be your name, which is worship. So Jesus was saying, listen, prayer is not some mechanism to get your needs met. It's not like a slot machine to put your money in and then bingo, you get a payout. Um, It's rather a relationship. Prayer is 
uh, commenced with a relationship with Jesus' Father. And Jesus was passionate about bringing us to the Father. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So prayer always begins with a relationship it, and and. Part of that is worship. When we come into prayer, we're not just rattling off our, our list of needs, but we're taking time to honor him, to worship him, to love him. And I think it also means to pray that his name be glorified in all the earth, you know, that every people group will see him in all his glory. I think it means that as well. And then um, the second bit, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, is war and mission. Um, the kingdom coming, that's like, let, let what's in heaven be upon the earth. Uh, that will be contested by satanic powers and by wicked people who don't want the kingdom of God ruling over them. So when you begin to pray, and we'll define what that pr kind of prayer is a little later in this session, when you begin to pray that way, there's conflict, and you have to be prepared to uh, fight, as Greta said. So the second part it's all about us. The first part's all about him. And the tragedy is that too many Christians around the world, especially in the Western church, their prayer lives have been trapped in the second half of the Lord's Prayer. And we've reduced praying as a means to get our needs met. And the Holy Spirit is calling the church to shift from the second part into the first part. Not that we neglect that second part. That'll always be there. It'll always be relevant and meaningful. But the Holy Spirit's calling the church to make the first part number one, which is why Jesus put it up the top. And there's this shift taking place. And things are getting so bad in the world, we know that unless there's an invasion from heaven, what else is going to happen in our nation and the nations of the earth? It's like Talk about an acceleration of wickedness. So we need to be those that respond to that. And the Holy Spirit wants us to be involved in a type of prayer that changes our world. Maybe changes your world personally, changes the world in which we are living, our city, our environment, but changes the world in general. And there's a type of prayer buried within the Lord's Prayer that will do that. And we're going to find out what that sort of prayer is. It's a type of prayer that will open heaven and change the world. Look at Luke 3.21. It says, as Jesus was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him. John 1.51, uh, you know, Nathaniel is brought to Jesus and Jesus says, oh, here's a man without guile. Nathaniel says, how do you know me? And he said, well, I, you know, I saw you sitting under the fig tree, like he had a word of knowledge. And Nathaniel was gobsmacked. Wow, you, you knew me before. He said, listen, you're going to see a lot more than this, Nathaniel. You'll see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man. And he's really reflecting an experience Jacob had at Bethel hundreds and hundreds of years before where Jacob discovered heaven and does interact with earth. And he saw a ladder going from heaven to earth, angels going up and down on it. You see, God always designed heaven not to be a far-off place that you only access at death. He always designed it to have impact upon earth. Like what one pastor says, our, um, our destination is heaven, but our assignment is to bring heaven to earth. And that's through mission and through prayer. So what is this type of prayer that opens heaven, that's, that's hidden in the Lord's Prayer? 
for those who have eyes to see, they will see it. Well, we're going to unpack that. There are three types of prayer found in the Lord's Prayer. So number one, there is petition. That's the asking bit. You know, it's asking for your needs to meet, safety on the trip you're going to take, help with your job, finances. That's the give us this day our daily bread part of the Lord's Prayer, petition. Just simply asking. You often don't have to repeat yourself unless there's a real breakthrough needed. It's just simply asking that your needs be met, that the, the Lord will, and often he will do abundantly more than you ask or think. And then the second type of prayer found in the Lord's Prayer is devotion. This is loving our God. This is maybe opening the Psalms and praying them back to him. This is worshiping or praising him. This is coming in to the place of prayer and and verbally thanking him and blessing him and honoring him or maybe putting on some worship music and singing along to it or just even listening to it and you're still and you're allowing the presence of God to wash over you so you're entering into that place of prayer uh, just out of intimate connection with the Lord, out of worship. So um, that's the hallowed be your name part of the Lord's prayer. Then the third type of prayer that's found in the Lord's Prayer is intercession, which is really birthing things. This is where we begin to pray for things that will be contested, like the salvation of loved ones and people that we care about, the salvation of nations, spiritual breakthroughs that we need, miracles of healing or provision, uh, spiritual battles against satanic powers. This, this kind of prayer, you don't just pray a prayer once. It's like, you know, Jesus said, ask and keep asking, it'll be given you. Seek and keep seeking, you'll find. Knock and keep knocking, and the door will be open. So it's, it's like persistent, persevering um, It's the let your kingdom come part of the Lord's prayer. And it's that third type of prayer that opens heaven and changes the world. Look, petition and devotion will kind of, in a sense, open heaven over your life personally, and you'll know an increase of the sense of the presence of God and his goodness and provision. But we're talking about, you know, when Jesus walked under an open heaven and there were miracles, there were deliverances, there was, and we've been in places in the world where there's been an open heaven. We've been at a place called Falderbrennan in Wales, a prayer retreat center. It's up on a high mount, a high hill. And let me tell you, when you drive up that place, you hit a force field of an open heaven and you're just walking with the angels. It is absolutely incredible. And miracles happen and stuff happens when you get an open heaven in a church, in a community, like people get saved easily. Healings happen easily. The demonically possessed get set free. Uh, The environment changes. The political realm is affected. And there's not many places in the earth right now where there is an open heaven. But I believe God wants to give open heavens over many, many places. But he's looking for his people to engage in this type of prayer. And so we're going to really just focus on that today. And before we do, just a comment from Prophet Graham Cook, British prophet. And he says this, relaxation is for devotion, intensity is for intercession. Intercession is like, it's, it's real heady stuff. And you're fighting a battle. And if you're just all intercession, you'll quickly wear yourself out. 
And so you need the counterbalance of just getting still. And you know, Mary, she sat at the feet of Jesus. It's kind of like you got to do that. Just enjoy him, enjoy his presence, enjoy worship, enjoy opening the word and meditating on it. It's that devotion. But you see, if it's all just devotion and relaxation, we can become passive and not engage in the fight. And there's a great passivity over many Christians' prayer lives and a lot of fear and mystery regarding intercession. The devil has succeeded in keeping a lot of people from that type of prayer because he knows when we engage in it, it opens heaven, it changes the world. So he runs really scared. And many believers never move beyond those first two types of prayer, petition and devotion. Um, Maybe intercession scares them. Maybe they've got the wrong illusion. Well, I'm not an intercessor because we think of an intercessor as somebody that woken up at 2 a.m. in the morning and suddenly China's on their heart or they have a prophetic vision and they're praying and, you know, there's an intensity and, and we thought, oh, I'm not like that. But you see, what, what we're looking at is probably a person with a prophetic gifting connected to their prayer life and God is using that prophetic gifting to alert them, to assist them in praying. Well, not everyone has a prophetic gifting. So I I need to say right now, there are those in the church that have a gift of intercession because they're they're prophetic and, and they give themselves to prayer. But for the majority of us, we may not have a gift of intercession, but we have a role of intercession. And there's a difference between a gift and a role. Not all of us have the gift of evangelist, but all of us have the role of witnessing. Is that right? Not all of us have a gift of being pastoral, but we all have a role to care for one another. You know, I don't have a gift of taking out the rubbish at home in Auckland on a Wednesday night because the rubbish truck comes the next day. But I have a role because if I don't do that, the house is going to stink. I don't go to Greta, oh, honey, I'm so glad I get to use my grace gift of taking out the rubbish again tonight. You know, it's wonderful. Wheel the bins out. I'm so thrilled. No, it's like it's just a chore. It's a role. I've just got to do it. Because it's, it's there's a necessity, there's a need. And thank God for those who have a gift of intercession, prophetic intercession in the church. But all of us have a role to intercede. Why? Because if it's in the Lord's prayer, it's for every believer. So we can't excuse ourselves and say, well, I'm not an intercessor. No, no, we can all grow in that role. And those so gifted may be further along than us and praise God for that. But all of us have that role. So what is intercession? Let's look at it a little bit better. Well, intercession is like standing in the gap. The word intercession is from a Latin word, just means to stand in the gap between. Here's a couple of examples from Scripture. This is when the Israelites made a golden calf and worshipped it because Moses was up Mount Sinai for uh, for six weeks. It's a long time. and came down and they were worshiping and God said, I'm going to destroy them. But Moses, his chosen one, stepped between the Lord and the people. He begged him to turn from his anger and not destroy them. So Moses interceded for Israel and God relented, didn't destroy them. 3,000 died, but not the whole nation. But notice that he stepped between the Lord and the people. Uh, Numbers 16, 47 to 48, um, they disobeyed, they were disobedient again, and so a plague broke out, and it says the plague indeed had already begun, but Aaron burned the incense and made atonement for them. He stood between the living and the dead until the plague stopped. Another beautiful picture of intercession, of course, you go to the book of Revelation, and it talks about the prayers of God's people being like incense in heaven. 
And so incense is a type, a symbol, t- symbolic type of prayer. Uh, Aaron's burning incense and making atonement. He's actually interceding, standing between the living and the dead until the plague stopped. We got a plague in the earth right now. It's not COVID. It's, it's evil. It's wickedness. It's satanic, raw satanic rage and power seeking to oppress and, and you know, elevate wickedness to new levels we've not seen. And so there in your, uh, in your notes, you'll see what an intercessor does, stands between heaven and earth, between people being saved and lost, between sickness and health, between death and life. And intercession is this type of prayer that opens heaven and changes our world. And in a moment, Greta's going to come and talk about styles of intercession. You know, what does it look like to do it? And also give a couple of amazing examples where this has taken place in the world and the results as a consequence. But um, as we were both praying and preparing yesterday, we we felt uh, a kind of a nudge of the Holy Spirit that it would be really good if we as a group stood in the gap for Israel right now. And we, you know, we, I'm going to get you in a moment to stand and get in pairs and just really pray for the nation of Israel as the Holy Spirit leads you um, and, and pray that there will be victory over the powers of darkness that want to destroy that nation. And also, could you specifically pray God would station mighty angels on that northern border with Lebanon and Syria, that there is no second front that gets opened up um, for Israel to have to fight two fronts. And, you know, we're not against the Palestinian people living in Gaza. They are caught between evil Hamas people that just hate Israel, want to destroy it. And they're the piggy in the middle. I know some of them support Hamas, but a lot of them just want to live normal life. So we're not praying against, but we are praying against the spirit of sheer hatred that Satan hates. Isn't it interesting that in the book of Daniel, there was, um, no, book of Esther, there was a man called Haman or Haman, you would pronounce, who wanted to destroy Israel. Pretty close to Hamas, isn't it? I know they mean different things, but I couldn't help but conjecture that that same spirit that drove Haman to want to destroy Israel back then is doing the same. And what did Esther do? She fasted and prayed for three days and God turned it around and brought deliverance. So could we for five minutes at least just stand, get in pairs and begin to pray as the Holy Spirit leads you? Uh, You know, one of you pray for a minute, the other pray for a minute, and then you can, you know, keep flicking between both of you.
Yeah, we just we just give you another minute to finish off. Amen. Thank you for so much for praying. God hears every prayer and responds to every prayer, and every prayer really matters. Right, let's, let's take our seats again, and we're going to have a look at the styles of intercession. So firstly, how did Jesus often pray? Hebrews 5 verse 7 tells us that he offered up prayers and petition with loud cries and tears. There's a great example. <laughs> loud cries and tears. Then how did the Holy Spirit often pray? Romans 8.26 tells us, But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And then we have a third example of how did Hannah pray. Uh, 1 Samuel 1 verse 12 and 13. As Hannah, Hannah kept on praying, she was praying from her heart. And though her lips were moving, her voice couldn't be heard. In other words, she was praying silently. So just from those three examples, we can see intercession styles can span a broad spectrum from silence all the way through to loud cries and groanings and everything in between. Now, you may predominantly use a particular style. For example, David, he's a noisy prayer. <laughs> I, I tend to be a quieter one. But then I do find that my own style varies from time to time. You know, while mostly I pray quietly, um, there will be times when the Holy Spirit moves me to, to weeping and groaning. And then other times, he really stirs me to loud shouting intercession. And I know that's not me. That's really the Spirit praying these fighting prayers through me. And then, of course, the situation will sometimes demand a different approach. For example, if the Holy Spirit wakes me up in the middle of the night to pray about something specific, I'll pray silently so I don't wake up my dearly beloved husband. Or if you're in a, in, um, you know, a public space, then it's smart to pray silently as well. But what is good to know that whatever the style or your expression of intercession, each style or expression is as powerful as any other. It's what David said. It's we, you know, God know, sees and knows our heart. We just pray from our heart. It's as simple as that. Now, let's have a look at some very inspiring examples of community transformation through intercession. And there are two in your notes, but I'm just going to first add one because it illustrates something. Just over 70 years ago, on um, the Hebrides Islands, um, just off the coast of Scotland, two elderly sisters in the 80s, I mean, they were very infirm, the one was even blind, but they were deeply, deeply concerned with the absolute godlessness in, in their society at that time. And they began praying for revival, just 
two. Notice that. And the result was, is that a revival swept these islands, and the Holy Spirit so moved over the district. This is what a minister wrote. He said, the Holy Spirit's presence was in the homes of the people, on the meadow and moorland, and even on the public roads. 75% were saved before they ever came to a meeting or heard a sermon. And the outcome is that lives and communities and towns were just absolutely profoundly changed from real godlessness to God-fearing, righteous living people. It was amazing. Then another wonderful example is Brazil. So we're getting a bit bigger now. So here in this situation, this was back in 1989 and a Brazilian housewife just an ordinary woman called Elizabeth Cornelio. Um, she became concerned about her city, Goiânia. It had a population of about 1.2 million. It was a major center of spiritism and, and other problems as well. So she began to pray with four women from other churches. So how many have we got? Five, just five. In 1993, she invited Christians all over the church to unite and pray, and 850 showed up. Several years later, almost 200,000 women would pray for the city every day, linked by her radio program. And this amuses me. When, when the program had to go off air for three months in 1999, the crime rate quickly ballooned to 50% increase. The city was so desperate, they sent a delegation to her, including the mayor and the police chief and other important officials, and they begged her to please get back on, on her radio station. She did, and the crime rate promptly plummeted again. The power of prayer. Now, every believer is involved. Midwives anoint newborns with oil, dedicating them to Jesus. Christians walk the, the, the aisles of the supermarket um, praying for people. A few preach in bars to great effect. Some even get up at 4 a.m. in the morning to go and they walk through the streetcars praying that God would bless the riders that day. And here's the statistic. In seven years, evangelicals in Goiânia went from 7% of the population to 45%. And today, prayer is still ongoing. In fact, a prayer revival has happened and has spread with explosive growth all across Goiânia and other parts of Brazil and other nations. This prayer just moving um, very powerfully. And as a result of this prayer revival, there has been what, you can, uh, what is described as explosive church planting. There have been so many churches planting. Not only that, there's been explosive church growth in each of these new plantings as well. The statistics are incredible. But the point is, this united, persistent prayer, it's the key to transform local communities. And this is what can happen in Kabulcha and beyond, and Australia and beyond. Remember Acts 1.14, where the, the believers, again, it wasn't a huge number to start with, they all joined together constantly in prayer, and what happened? They turned their world upside down. 
And you see prophetically at the moment, the Lord is currently in process of raising up a global army of prayer warriors through the nations to usher in a worldwide awakening and revival that changes our world profoundly. And you see James 5.16 says, the prayers of a righteous person, one righteous person, are powerful and effective. We saw in the Hebrides just two ladies. It swept through um, those islands. Look at Brazil. It was five. Um, You see the pattern. That's why God wants many. Our prayers together have the power to influence the future destiny of our own nation and others. You see, the more people that that pray, there is this exponentially multiplied effect of it. And then here is another different but very wonderful example that that really illustrates a point. Uh, This happened in Phoenix, USA. Uh, A church there did this experiment They randomly selected 160 names out of the phone book and divided them into two groups. Now, for this group of 80 homes, they didn't pray at all. And for this group of 80 homes, they prayed every day for them. Yes, for, for those three months. Over a period of three months, they prayed. And then after the three months was over, they called all 160 uh, homes. They identified themselves and the church, and they, they, they said, um, would you like us to come over and pray for you and for any needs your family might have? Well, for this group that they didn't pray for, out of the 80, one invited them to come over. And of this group for whom they prayed every day for three months, 69 invited them to come over to pray with them. So you can see the effect that prayer has. It makes a difference. It really causes people's hearts to open. And I, I remember the Holy Spirit once saying this to me. Prayer is the precursor of all things. Andrew Murray said this, the evangelist, Evangelization of the world depends first of all upon the revival of prayer. And may we have a revival starting here in Kabulcha of prayer at another level. Thanks, sweetheart. Great examples. Um, Those two last examples are in the book in full and with a bit more detail if you're interested. So what about the practicalities? As I've said already, uh, it's good to mix devotion and intercession um, and have separate times of both or have a time of prayer with both elements in um, because interceding that God's kingdom would come is heady business. So taking time to sit at the Lord's feet uh, can stop us feeling overwhelmed because when you sit at his feet, you you worship him, you, you feel his strength flowing into you. And not only that, he begins to share his secrets with you as to what he wants to do in the earth. And we'll touch more on that in the next session, prophetic prayer. Because when you're really hearing God's agenda for a nation or nations, that really energizes your praying uh, when you know what his will is. Okay, second practicality, uh, just do it. The best way to learn to pray is to pray. Okay, Um, you can read books and that's all good, but just do it. George Muller, 
uh, a, a wonderful um, evangelical man in, in the United Kingdom, started lots of orphanages. He said, the less we pray, the less we'll want to pray. And the more we pray, the more we'll want to pray. And it's true. You know, I found if, I, if somehow I miss a day or two of praying, it's that much harder to get back into the flow again. Sometimes we're traveling and it's not always possible to have the times of prayer that, um, that we normally would do at home. Leonard Ravenhill, again, the secret of praying is to pray in secret. So to pray on your own. Uh, having said that, you know, most of our praying is going to be on our own, I guess, but uh, we're in families, husband and wife or friends. But uh, group and corporate prayer is really important as well. So um, some prayers are only answered when believers pray together. Uh, for example, corporate prayer, uh, when we're beginning to intercede in unity, especially for city, national, and global issues. Uh, we can certainly intercede for those personally, but there's a power that we come together to really intercede for those issues that uh, is kind of exponential. Uh, you know, one will put a 1,000 to flight, is that right? And two, 10,000. So it's, it's not 2,000, it's 10. It's geometric. Something happens when God's people come together and the devil will fight corporate prayer tooth and nail. He just doesn't want people gathering to pray. Mind you, a lot of church prayer meetings are really boring and I can understand why. But anyway... Uh, We'll sit with Ben and Rachel and talk about exciting corporate prayer with you. I'm sure you have that already, but we can give you some tips. Back in our home church, Church Unlimited, I don't know what's happened this year without any, um, without any promotion. Like the prayer, corporate prayer meetings doubled in attendance. And we had a small group that would go off after the hour. We just did an hour of prayer. Uh, who would go off to another room and pray for revival. That started four years ago. And again, without any um, promotion, that room is now filled uh, with people wanting to pray for a move of God. So the Holy Spirit's doing something, and um, it's really good to be responsive like, like that. So corporate prayer is really powerful. Um, but most of our praying will be done personally and in our homes. Um, practicality number four, add in fasting. Um, fasting and prayer. Jesus said there was a kind of satanic power that wouldn't be dealt with except by prayer and fasting. And he was talking about a, a boy being delivered from a particular uh, spirit. But I think there's demonic spirits that sit over territories and towns and they are dispossessed when the church engages in fasting and prayer. And, you know, you can fast and pray a day a week or a meal a day or three-day fasts are great, extended Daniel fast. There's a whole chapter in the book on fasting, on how you do it, what it's for, its potency, and there's a lot of stuff online that you can access. Okay, another practicality is just remember the three Ds of prayer. Um, the three Ds of prayer, uh, you want to fill these in as number one, desire. <clears throat> excuse me, number two, discipline, and number three, delight. I'll, I'll speak to that in a minute when you've written those in. Everybody in this room has a desire to pray because you wouldn't be here otherwise, is that right? So there's, you know, some, some Christians don't have the desire and we would counsel them, we'll pray for the desire, like you start your prayer life there, Lord, give me a desire to pray. 
Um, give me your desire to read your word. Just, you know, go take delight in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. So, uh, so it starts with desire. The problem is we always, all of us want to jump from desire to delight in one step. Is that right? Like, oh, prayer is so cool. It's so exciting. I'm getting so many answers. We're seeing breakthroughs. You know, that's the delight of prayer. Ask and you will receive that your joy will be full. And, you know, when you get into that zone, you see answers. It's delightful and just co-creating with God. But there's that little word in between that is actually the missing step. It's called discipline. And discipline is there because Jesus said something to his disciples. He said, stay alert and pray. Otherwise, temptation will overtake you, for the spirit is willing, that's desire, but the flesh is weak. So your flesh will fight you in the area of prayer. It will come up with all kinds of excuses. I'm too tired. I'm too busy. I'm disappointed because my prayers haven't been answered. Um, you know, uh, and, and there'll be all these excuses, but I've found that dis this word discipline means I'm going to do it despite how I feel. I'm just going to do this. It's called discipline. I am just going to go for that run and get fit. I am just going to do that thing because I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it. I am going to go to the place of prayer and I'm going to pray. And even though I don't feel like it, and I've found sometimes the times I've least felt like prayer, but gone there anyway, have been the most powerful times. It's like out of our weakness, God perfects his power. And the Holy Spirit is our great helper. You know, invite him to help you know how to pray. And as you consistently discipline your life in prayer, uh, you will find that uh, you will start coming into the delight of seeing God answer and seeing prayers uh, prayed. Remember that more prayer is better than less prayer. I'll comment on that a little later. We're nearly at the end now. Conclusion, we must not think that intercessory praying is reserved for a special few people. It is prayer that opens heaven. It's a key to the supernatural. It's in the Lord's prayer, so every believer can access that type of praying. The challenge is, can you invest time in the kingdom through prayer? You know, Jesus said, seek first my kingdom and the righteousness or the Lord's kingdom and righteousness and all these other things, these material things for life, will be yours. <clears throat> and he warned us about so focusing on the stuff of life that we forget about the priority of seeing the kingdom come to earth. And um, spontaneous prayer is good. Uh, you can pray anywhere at any time. Is that right? You can be gardening and praying. You can be washing the dishes and praying. You can be driving the car and praying. You can be on the golf course and you probably do need to pray. Uh, whatever. You know, the All Blacks pray, play island tonight. And uh, uh, I'm not going to pray. I don't really care who wins that one. But anyway, it'd be great if we win. But if we don't, so God bless the Irish. <laughs> You're out of the Rugby World Cup, aren't you? That's a, that's a real shame. I really think it's a... We need Aussie rugby to be strong. We need good competition trans-Tasmanly. So we'll be praying for Australian rugby. No, we won't. It's, no, no. It's just, that's a false statement. I won't be doing that. <laughs> anyway, spontaneous prayer is good. How did I get into that? My gosh. Spontaneous prayer is good. Praying anywhere, anytime. But Jesus talked about another type of prayer. He said, when you pray, go into your bedroom, shut the door, and pray in secret, and my Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
<clears throat> excuse me, in public. Was he meaning you could only pray in your bedroom? No, he was really talking about a type of prayer that's different to spontaneous, I can pray anywhere, anytime, quick prayer up to heaven. It's called focused prayer. It's where you get alone with God, where you just carve out a block of time to pray, whether it's 10 minutes or half an hour or an hour, you just, you're just carving out time. Now, it could be your bedroom. It could be the lounge where you just shut the door and it's you in the lounge, you're walking up and down or you're lying flat on the floor or you're kneeling or you're sitting in a chair praying. It could be a strip of beach that you love to walk and you just talking and interceding, you and God alone, or you might like to go for a walk in the woods and you're just alone with God in creation. It's just you and God alone. Could be up on a hilltop, could be anywhere, could be in your house, could be anywhere. You could be walking the streets of your neighborhood praying in the early morning, whatever. We, we, we love going, Greta runs, I walk in the early mornings uh, every second day, and I just love to get out there and pray early in the morning. It's really good, but I like to pray at home as well. So we need that focused prayer. <clears throat> so the question is, can you, some of you are doing that already. Maybe there are others, you're not doing that. It's more, your prayer life is pretty much spontaneous or it's needs-based, you're trapped in the second part of the Lord's Prayer. So the call is for you to begin to step into the first part and to get into some focused prayer. And I, I wouldn't start with an hour if, you, if you're at zero, okay? But maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day. You could start there and just get some time alone with God. And you say, well, how do I, you know, because some Christians say, I don't know how to pray more than five minutes, then I kind of fizzle out. Well, why don't you pray through the Lord's Prayer? That's a good place to start. Start with worship. Sing a song. Praise Him. Thank God. Put on music. I mean, that could be five minutes right there. Um, then <clears throat> begin to pray for the kingdom to come. So you pray for your friends and loved ones to be saved. You pray for government to be righteous. You pray for satanic powers in particular situations. It might be the Holy Spirit puts certain nations on your heart, and you pray for that nation or this nation or this issue and that issue. You might be praying for youth, and you might be praying for children, and certainly, though, they're under a huge assault right now. Young people throughout the earth, all sorts of garbage and false philosophies being taught in schools, and we need to be praying for the next generation, and so there's a whole lot there. That's another five minutes at least, and then you get on to your own needs, and you pray through that and pray for purity. I mean, that's 15 minutes, surely just there. Sometimes that could be an hour, or the Holy Spirit might stop you on one thing. It might be all worship. It might be all kingdom. Or it might be all that your needs are so much. It's, it's all about that. And so you go with the rhythm of the Holy Spirit. And you find each time you go to that place of, of wanting to carve out prayer, each time it's a little different. Because you're trying to just go with the flow of the Holy Spirit. And as you give yourself to the discipline of focused prayer, you'll find that your spiritual muscle will build and you'll go longer and you'll go longer. And you can pray in tongues as well. It's perfect prayer to Jesus. It's perfect worship, etc. And so there's, you know, before you know it, you're in it. You're doing it. <clears throat> prayer is just like talking to a friend. You know that great hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus? All our sorrows he will bear. 
What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And I don't know about you, it's not just personal pain. Greta and I are pained at what's happening in our nations, what's happening here and in New Zealand, what's happening in the nations of the earth. We are, you know, you... Isn't it true Romans said, the nearer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more we're going to groan? Creation groans. Because before he comes, wickedness will rise, but at the same time, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in every nation. And so there's going to be a great harvest. So we need to groan in prayer and be concerned and know the joy of seeing God do amazing things. Be open to prophetic intercession. We'll talk about that next session. I love what Charles Spurgeon said, that great Victorian Baptist preacher. He said, whenever God determines to do a great work, he first sets his people to pray. Our prayer has been that God will set you to pray at a level you've not done before. Whatever your prayer life is like, you might be, it's almost zero. Well, you'll go to another level beyond where you are. You might be a prayer warrior, seasoned prayer veteran, that you'll still go to another level. And the good thing about it is if you're older and retired, you've got more time to devote to prayer. Why don't you buy yourself a world atlas and look at the map of the world and say, Holy Spirit, what nation today should we be praying for and how should I be praying for that nation There's all sorts of adventures that you and I can discover. Even when life causes us to slow down because we get older, you can still go anywhere in the world in prayer. That's exciting. You could be a missionary in prayer. I'll close with this story, um, and it's a true story. There were, you know, missionaries that went to Africa in the 1800s, and and this particular village, the whole village came to Christ. I don't know what nation it was in, but one of the African nations. And so the report went out that a whole village had come to Christ. And months later, they sent somebody to visit the resident missionary to just see what had happened. And so as the visiting missionary was walking through the village and out of the village with um, the resident missionary, every so often he noticed little trails going off in the bush, you know, where the grass had been worn away. And there's all these trails um, for Africa, excuse the pun, going off into the bush. And he said, what are all those little pathways I see? They're all over the place. He said, oh, he said, uh, the, the resident missionary, our new converts are very zealous for prayer and worship with God. And they each have got their own private place in the bush where they go. And so they've just worn a trail to their spot where they meet with God. He said, but the funny thing is, when one of the villagers neglects prayer, the others come up and say, brother, the grass is growing on your path. (laughs) Which is a nice way to say you're not praying enough. (laughs) So the question is, what's your path look like today? Does it need a bit of mowing and trampling? Do you need to find your place with God and go there often and commune with him and co-create with him and what he wants to do on planet earth praying for loved ones that don't yet know Jesus and yeah you might have prayed for them for years but never give up not till the day you die and then when you get to heaven you can pray for them up there because prayer goes on in heaven till they come into the kingdom as Greta said the fervent prayers of righteous people powerful and effective wow so how's our path why don't you take a minute 
to close your eyes and silently talk to the Lord. And maybe it would be appropriate for you to make a commitment to him. Just quietly and privately. I'm not going to ask you to do it publicly. I'm not going to hold you accountable. But perhaps the Lord is nudging you to go beyond where you currently are. If it's zero to go to a place, well, Lord, I'm going to commit X number of minutes a day to praying focused prayer. And, you know, more prayer is better than less prayer. So your 10 minutes tomorrow is better than your zero today. Don't let the devil say, oh, your 10 minutes is useless. That's not going to make much. Yes, it will. It will always make a difference. Your half an hour, you know, uh, your half an hour tomorrow is better than your 15 minutes today. You get the idea. Just don't let the devil tell you, well, it's not enough. Just say, well, I'm going to give my give my heart and life to this and I'm going to do that and then when I achieve that we'll see what happens You know, this is um, going to be one of the greatest things that you do. Whenever God wants to do a great work, he first sets his people to pray. And that could be personally in your own life. You need God to do something great in your own life. Or it could be in your family. could be in your church. could be in the town. could be in the nation that God, you know, he puts a burden on us to, to know how to pray. Should we all stand? Sweetheart, could you come and join me? I just kind of feeling... The, the, the good thing to do right at the end of this session rather than get you into groups of, to pray again is, is really just to ask that the Holy Spirit would come and impart fresh fire into our prayer lives. You know, how many know that everything changed on Pentecost Day? You know, it's like the Spirit came like a rushing wind. It says tongues of fire rested on them. They were different from that moment on. Yeah, I know they'd been praying in the upper room, but something happened. It's like took them to another level of prayer and mission and boldness, and we kind of need that again, but we don't have to wait for a revival or awakening. We can have that right now in the next minutes. And, and as Ben talked about hunger and humility, I've, we've often said, well, two things that will attract the fire of the Spirit to you is hunger and faith, you know, as well as humility, hunger. Lord, I'm hungry to go beyond where I am. I need some fresh fire in my prayer life. I'm putting my hand up. You know, I've written a book on prayer, but that doesn't make me a great prayer. It, you know, it, I hopefully am living that out, but I want to go to another level. I want to touch a level I've not currently touched. And so I'm asking God, would you put fresh fire in us? So why don't you lift your hands to the Lord? I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit if he would come. I'm then going to get Greta to impart that Holy Spirit fire into our lives. And why don't you catch that today? Some of you will feel the power of God go through you. Others, you'll not feel anything, but you're going to take it by faith. So Holy Spirit, we honor you. You are the source of life. 
You're the one, Jesus said, out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Speaking of you. And Lord, we know that, Lord, that means mission. It means a lot of things, but it also means a flow of prayer. And Spirit of God, thank you that you live in us because we're Christians, but we pray there'll be a fresh coming upon us in power and a fresh flowing out of us. And we ask, Holy Spirit, in these next minutes that you would impart fresh fire into our prayer lives. Lord, where we've been sleepy, where we've struggled, I pray that you will come and bring divine energy and fire into this realm in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And right across this room, just I release the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Receive a fire of prayer. Let it burn in your hearts. I I release just such his life-giving power into your prayer lives. Um, There's a couple of you where your prayer lives have felt um, just a bit dead. There's embers. And I speak life. I speak life-giving power. Come alive in Jesus' name. I, 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 I declare that as of today, your prayer lives it's gonna, it will come alive in Jesus' name. Just receive his fire of prayer. Lord, that you will, and we invite you, Holy Spirit, keep growing us to new levels of prayer. We are hungry for this. Keep releasing new realms of revelation to pray what heaven is saying in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Just break a spirit of prayerlessness off some right now. You've just, it's like it's, you've been under that thing and in the authority, it's actually not been so much you. It's been a spirit that's opposed you. And I take authority over any demonic spirit of prayerlessness that has been opposing people. Whenever you go to the place of prayer, it almost makes you sleepy. It shuts you down and you struggle. And I take authority over that. I take authority over anything of disappointment that's set on people because of unanswered prayer. And again, there's a chapter in the book on how to deal with unanswered prayer. But right now, that can bring a real sense of disappointment. You didn't get the outcome that you'd hoped and prayed for. And it can kind of disappoint you and disillusion you. And it makes you a little fearful to go back into that place of prayer because you don't want to see your hopes squashed again. Well, I break that in the name of Jesus. And maybe you didn't get an answer in the past, but it doesn't mean you're not going to get answers to other things in the future. And I take authority over that thing in the name of Jesus. And I just release fresh hope into your hearts, fresh hope for prayer, fresh hope for change and transformation, fresh fire in the name of Jesus. And just one last thing, people feeling overwhelmed, particularly with global situations. It's like, oh, you don't even know how to pray for that. It's just so overwhelming. In the authority of Jesus' name, I break the paralysis of feeling overwhelmed. The Spirit of God will show you how to direct your praying. And you might say, but oh, I'm only this little person. No, you're part of an army of millions around the world that God will lead to pray for nations. And in the name of Jesus, I take authority over that feeling of oppression and of being overwhelmed. I break its power off you. And I pray that new life and vigor will come, new hope, new joy, new boldness in the name of Jesus. 
And finally, Lord, I just speak into Caboolture, Hope Point Church. Lord, I speak a revival of prayer. Would you release a fire of revival of prayer into the very fabric of this church that I declare this will be a house of prayer for the nations of the world. Lord, just let what you've started in everyone here, let the fire spread that more and more will just be on fire for Jesus to want to come and pray his kingdom to come on the earth and his will to be done in Caboolture and the surrounds in Jesus' name. Why don't you just take 30 seconds to pray in pairs. Just put your hand on the shoulder of a person next to you and pray that God will release a fresh fire and a fresh faith, fire and faith into their prayer lives, and then get them to pray for you and really believe for an impartation uh, into their life. Thank you, Jesus. Um, we're going to have a 45-minute break. Is that right? So um, it's through there. I think there's food, there's drinks, and so go and enjoy that. And uh, we'll be back at, well, we'll be back at about, yeah, maybe about 20 to 11, okay? So it'll still give you 45 minutes, 20 to 11. We'll give you a yell when we, sorry, 20 to 12, not 20 to 11. Okay, boy, that's not going to work, is it? Yeah, it's like that's in, you need a time machine for that. All right, go and enjoy. God bless you.